Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The most important thing that could happen is about to happen right now. Amen. That is the privilege to have Brother and Sister Kevin Wallace, missionaries to France with us. And I believe, again, those ordered steps have brought us right here. Amen. We appreciate them and we're able to... uh, first ever even hear their name from brother and sister Aversold, and we appreciate that connect point for us and then uh, brother and sister wallace were their pastor in jacksonville north carolina for several years and now we're together again amen i'm thankful for that i'm thankful for people who still answer the call of missions on their heart and i will let you share their exciting story uh, I'll let them share that with us tonight. But what a neat, neat little introduction I've had in the last couple of days just begin and as we've met and begin to talk about their life and what God is doing with them. Would you make them welcome, Brother Kevin Wallace, to this pulpit tonight? Praise the Lord, everyone. You may be seated. It's so nice to be in church tonight. I want to first of all say... I'm so thankful and appreciative of the hospitality of your pastor and his wife. And so they've allowed us to stay in the evangelist quarters. What a beautiful campus you have here. And so I'm, I'm right at home. I grew up, uh, we're Canadians. We are permanent residents in the United States and we're going to France. So how do you label that? But, um, so in Canada, I grew up just, just east of the border with Maine, central Maine. If you go an hour and a half further east, you go to a small province called New Brunswick. And so I grew up. And so this type of uh, atmosphere that you're used to, I'm very uh, used to it. And so I started recognizing familiar sounds, and it took me back to my... Uh, to my childhood, but yet we're going, we're called to go to an area that has just around Paris and the outskirts of, of Paris, the metroplex, the urban sprawl of Paris, 12 and a half million people. So going from a village of 350, in my case, to 12 and a half million, it's just, it's a change a little bit. And so, uh, so we're looking forward to that change, but we're thankful to have the opportunity to be with you. And again, we are so appreciative. I, I've got, I haven't, met your pastor before, but it's, I just sort of feel a kindred spirit. It's like we've known each other for years, but we've only known each other for a couple of days. So, But I want to say thank you, Pastor Boyd. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you uh, again for all the wonderful memories of the Abersold family. We had an opportunity to have dinner with them last night to see their, their farm, and so we're excited for them. We were in Jacksonville for 10 years, and, and part of that time we were their pastors. And so and now changing hats, and now we're missionaries. This is our second service only as missionaries. We were in Lutz Florida on Sunday, and then we're here tonight. So we are thankful to be here. I want to invite my better half to come and to greet you and talk to you about a little bit about France this evening. Praise the Lord, everybody. I too would like to say thank you to Pastor and Sister Boyd for opening that beautiful evangelist quarters to us and your hospitality, but The Bible says confession is good for the soul. So, Pastor Boyd, i got to confess, I have somewhat against you. You took my family in. Those Abersolds, you took them in. You all know I'm teasing, right? I was telling Pastor Boyd on you today about the first time y'all came to church in Jacksonville. (laughs) And I won't tell it here, but we were privileged to be able to teach John and Cheryl a home Bible study. When she first came to church, she was pregnant with Colton, my little man back there. And after he was born, I'd sit on the floor and play with him. And my husband taught them Bible studies. So they're my babies. So thank you, Pastor Boyd, for giving us permission to to spend the evening with them yesterday. And it's so good to see you. I guess you can have them. I guess. I guess. I guess we really don't have a choice, do we? I'm here to do the commercials. I'm the commercial lady. You know, Vanna White, is that her name? No, not her. 
we have three very important projects. As you know, it takes dollars to go to the mission field. And not only do we need monthly support so we can have a house to live in and food to eat, we have special projects. We have three very special projects. One of them is we got to have airfare for my husband and I to get there. Last time I checked, they had not yet built that bridge across the water. So we can't drive. So we got to get there. And we got to take some of our stuff because when we get there, we want a bed to sleep in and, you know, a table to eat off of. And we have calculated it's going to cost an average of $1.25 per mile to get my husband and I there and to get our stuff there. $1.25. That's how many quarters for all you mathematicians And I just can tell, by the way, some of y'all walked in here tonight, you're all lopsided because your purses and wallets are so full of change and quarters and, you know, so we would love to help alleviate you of that burden. We're in the burden carrying business. There's a little box on a table out there. If you have some quarters and you want to throw in towards those projects, we would be very grateful. If you would prefer to give it through your church and get credit, then I'm certain they can put it in an envelope and pass it to you, Pastor. We also have a project for language study. Now, my husband and I, when I was the ripe old age of 20 and he was 22, he moved me to Quebec City, Quebec, Canada. I did not know the French language except to say bonjour, comment ça va, which is hello, how are you? And he moved me to a place that was 98% French speaking. So it was sink or swim. So we learned the language, but we have not lived in a French speaking area for about 27 years. So where we were probably close to a C level, we're down now into the B level. And our primary uh, assignment is going to be teaching in the Bible college. So we need some language refresher courses. So that's another very important project that we have. If you would feel it on your heart to give to that, again, we would thank you so much and ask the Lord to bless you. On our table back there, we also have some beautiful prints of Paris for a donation of $20 or more. You can get one, get it framed, and hang it in your home. And every time you look at it, pray for the country of France. We're going to give you some statistics on a video in just a few minutes, but France needs Jesus. There are also a few purses. I've already sold one, so they're going fast. And when they're gone, they're gone. Varying prices. If you would like that, then you can grab one. Not for the men. In France, men use purses, by the way. But my husband is not going to have a purse. No, 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 no. Before I promote the last item and we have our video, I have a question for you. How many people in here like shoes? Anybody that would would willingly admit that you might be like borderline addicted to shoes. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Hi, my name is Crystal and I'm addicted to shoes. (laughs) And I finally figured out why. Have you ever, ever seen a lady put a pair of shoes on and stand in the mirror and look and say, honey, do these make me look fat? Right. Shoes are so forgiving. They're just, they're just wonderful. That's why I like shoes. And you know, since I was a very little girl, I've worn a lot of different pairs of shoes naturally, but also figuratively. And I've noticed that in my years of walking with God, he likes to change shoes on me. And there have been times when he's given me cute shoes that I put on and I pranced around and I was happy to wear those shoes. And then there's some other mornings that I got up and he had placed a set of shoes beside my bed. And I looked at them and I said, Oh God, They're ugly. God, they're not going to fit me right. God, I'm not going to be able to walk in those shoes. I'd like to read a very short paragraph out of this book, Tea Time Treasures. It says, the older I get and the more I walk with the Lord and get to know his ways, I am learning to never get too comfortable with a particular pair of shoes. Because just the moment I do, he decides that for one reason or another, It's time to break in a new pair. At times, he has given me work boots to wear as he led me into the fields to help bring in the harvest. Sometimes he handed me a pair of climbing boots so I could successfully climb the mountain he had brought me to. 
Other times he instructed me to put on sterile booties as he led me into the ER to help pull back someone from the brink of death or even into the delivery room to help bring a new babe into the world. At times, army boots were appropriate because he had led me out onto the battlefield to fight. But after every battle, he always handed me a pair of dancing shoes so I could put them on and dance as I celebrated sweet victory. He has led me all the way. And he's about I'm about, well, I've already put on a new pair of shoes. They're called missionary shoes. This is different for me. At the age of 52 to be going into this kind of a field, but I know that he's not going to let me go. I know he's going to take my hand. I know he's going to walk with me. And I know that we are going to fight some battles, but with his help, we will win. We are more than victorious through him who loved us. So if you're interested, that is just one small paragraph out of one chapter of a book that I have written. They will be available after service for a donation of $10 or more. And right now, I would like to invite you to watch a six-minute video with us just explaining a little bit about the next shoes that we are going to put on. So I invite you to come to Paris, and I say to you, bon voyage. Paris, the city of love. And what's not to love about it? It is the third most visited city in the world. There are numerous landmarks to visit, with the Eiffel Tower, of course, being the most famous. Paris is home to the world's largest art museum, the Louvre, where visitors may stroll through the apartments of Napoleon Bonaparte or view the world's most famous painting, the Mona Lisa. Time will not permit us to talk about the Notre Dame Cathedral, Les Champs-Élysées, L'Arc de Triomphe, Versailles, or Montmartre. And we can only give an honorable mention to the French baguette, les macarons, and other French delicacies. Oh, and every couple must put a lock of love on the Pont des Arts, then throw away the key as a symbol of their unbreakable love. Yes, Paris is truly an amazing city. But behind the beauty and the culture and history, there is a conflict, one that has spanned thousands of years and it has resulted in at least nine wars of religion. It was on January the 7th, 2015, terrorists forced their way into the offices of the French satirical newspaper Charlie Hebdo. They retreated only after they had snuffed out 12 innocent lives. And in the next 48 hours, five more people were killed. And for what cause? Religion. On November 12, 2015, after having spent five months in Milan as Amers, we returned home to North Carolina. The very next day on the evening of Friday the 13th, gunmen and suicide bombers struck yet again, this time killing 130 and wounding hundreds more. And for what cause? Religion. In situations of conflict, human instinct is to run away. However, those who have enlisted to protect and to defend our country, they are trained to face conflict, to put on their armor, take up their weapons, and to fight. As in the case of natural warfare, so is the case with spiritual warfare. Paul admonished the young Timothy to endure and face hardship like a good first-class soldier of Christ Jesus. In yet another passage, Paul instructed the Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God and to stand firm against the strategies of the enemy. These scriptures give clear instruction that we are to fight this battle head on. We are commanded to advance onto and not away from the battlefield. The battle cry is for boots on the ground. France is under attack not only physically but spiritually. In all of France, there are approximately 67 million souls. But on any given Sunday, there will only be about 1,000 converts attending a United Pentecostal church. Truly, this field is vast and the need for workers is great. 
We have heard the battle cry of Matthew 28, 19, and we have accepted this call. Our mission assignment will be to teach and to train disciples who will in turn go and make more disciples. Yes, we are going to fight on the front lines. We are soldiers in the army of our God. The Lord Jesus Christ is our commanding officer. The Holy Scripture is our code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the Word are our weapons of warfare. We have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. We are volunteers in this army, and we have enlisted for eternity. God has commanded us, therefore we must go. We are soldiers. We are in place saluting our King, obeying His orders, praising His name, and doing battle for His kingdom. We are committed. Yes, Jesus called us into this army, and we had nothing. If we end up with nothing, we will still come out ahead. We will win. Our God has and will continue to supply our needs. We are more than conquerors. We can do all things through Christ. Governments cannot silence us. The devil cannot defeat us. The gates of hell cannot prevail against us. Even death cannot destroy us. For when our commander calls us from his battlefield, he will promote us to captains and we will rule with him. We are soldiers in his army. We are marching, claiming victory. We will not give up. We will not turn around. We are soldiers, marching, heaven bound. Here we stand. Will you stand with us? Coming from Jacksonville, uh, North Carolina, Camp Lejeune is actually a French name. It's a, it's a Cajun name. It means in English, young, but the largest Marine Corps base in the eastern seaboards where we pastored in Jacksonville. Actually, Brother Lee, he was a Marine, and so uh, Semper Fi, once a Marine, always a Marine, they say. But uh, we understand people go on the front line, but it takes a lot of people as far as ancillary staff and people behind them to support them. And so as far as Europe and France, we are going to the front lines, but we cannot do that without your help. We cannot do it unless you stand with us. And so we ask of you, will you pray for us? And every time you look at a print, every time you hear about the news coverage about France, anything, would you pray for us? Because it is a walk of faith. And we understand as Christians, faith is not just something we get when we get saved. As far as having faith, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so there's faith. And from that, there is, there is conviction and we repent of our sins and eventually we're, we're baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of our sins because we understand that we need to go further we need to have our sins remitted and there's a promise and we receive that promise that we shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the initial evidence, of course, is a language. You're not going to learn this language in college like I did as far as uh, French, but this is going to be something that God takes the rudder of our lives called the tongue and the initial evidence is that he will baptize us with the Holy Ghost and will speak in a language we never spoke before. But the Bible shows us very evidently that, of course, maturity, when you look at natural maturity, I believe it was the author John Bevere, I was just reading on Facebook today, there was a quote that said John Bevere mentioned that natural maturity is based upon time, but spiritual maturity is based upon obedience. And so as we obey Jesus Christ, we walk in Him, and then we will have fruit that will be love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness, all these things that people will recognize that we are people of faith. 
But faith is not just the beginning, but faith becomes an adventure throughout all of our lives. And so for a few moments this morning, I'd like to, uh, this evening, not this morning, I'm all mixed up. And so can't you tell? It is now 8.15. It is the evening. Stand to your feet, if you would, for the reading of the Word of God. I'm reading from the New King James. You probably have King James in front of you. And we're going to look in Exodus chapter 14. We're going to hang out in chapter 14 of uh, the book of Exodus for the next few moments and talk about faith as an adventure. Verse 13, chapter 14 of the book of Exodus. Faith is the adventure. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. And the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel, now notice what he says, to go forward. Tell God's children to go forward. We have an option tonight. We either can hang out in the past and all that God has done in the past, or we can just say, I'm just going to fold my arms and camp out here and rest in the present. Or we have the option, as God tells his children, don't go backwards, don't camp out in the present, but let's go forward. And so faith becomes the advancing uh, uh, formula in our lives that we go forward. Verse 24 of chapter 14. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud. And he troubled the army of the Egyptians and he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And so God still speaks to us this generation, just as he spoke to that generation, God wants us to go forward. And when we understand faith becomes that adventure, God fights for us all. And we understand we're not doing it in our own power nor in our own strength, but it's the Lord Jesus Christ that in fact goes ahead of us. He leads us just as he did with them, with a pillar of cloud or with a pillar of fire. He directs us and he leads us. Let's pray right now. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your presence that we feel in Bible study tonight. Minister, God, we pray that your word is anointed, but I pray touch this flesh that I may articulate the word of God. And Lord, may we receive it and God apply it in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Faith is an adventure. God bless you. You may be seated. Faith is always, when we look at it, it's not static. Back in your sound room, if you ever get a chance, there's just a whole panel of light switches. And, of course, those light switches, they regulate all the lights in the house. But faith isn't static that either it's on or off. But faith is it's more interactive, that we understand as Christians that it's a way of life that, it, that involves interactive state steps. That is why we understand maturity spiritually does indeed include and really it's based upon obedience because it's all of these steps that over and over we see God working in us and through us. But it also involves critical and crucial decisions. Every day we are based with decisions. Now, I understand we all had a decision what color socks men, hopefully they match tonight, but sometimes they don't always match. We, I have a problem home that, that, that light was so dark in our room because we had these uh, blue Blue rooms and gray and gray walls and red walls, and so I never knew if I had black socks on or blue socks till I went to church, and then I realized I was wearing black trousers and I had blue socks on because I couldn't see. And so, but that's really a minor decision. But there are some major decisions every single day that we are faced with. But we have to understand it does affect us today. It will affect us tomorrow. It will affect us next month. And so, faith becomes that adventure in our lives. And we are like Moses in that chapter. If you just roll back a number of chapters in chapter 3, verse 13, Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And verse 14 of chapter 3 says, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. We recognize that scripture. Here is, we see that word, the I am, Yahweh. 
Yahweh. And, and so the great I am is introduced here at that burning bush. And so as Yahweh, we said, he says, it's me. I am sending you because Moses thought he had to do the work. He thought he needed to be the deliverer, but that's really not the way it was. God says, don't worry about all that stuff. I am sending you. But sometimes we can get down on Moses, but in reality we realize we are just as liable to do the same things if we were faced with the same decisions. We've been in the same position. We say, I can't do it for you, God. God says to do something, and we say, I can't do that, God. And God basically says, I'm not asking you, I'm not asking you to do it. I want to do it through you. We say, I don't know enough, and God says, that's okay. You know me. That's enough, just if we know God. We say, no one will respect me, and God, again, says, that's not important. What's important is that they respect me. We say, I don't have the ability. God says, my grace is sufficient. It's my ability that counts, not your ability. We say, then, God, you send someone else, and God says, this is not a request, and I'm not allowing you to negotiate here. And so, when God speaks, we must understand, God wants to do something in us and through us, and so life itself the walk of faith becomes an adventure because we don't have the answers. We don't know what tomorrow is going to hold, but we understand that he does, and so we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, this is your homework. Can, I give, can anyone give homework during Bible study? This is your homework. When you go home, I want you to read verses 18 to 26 of that chapter. Exodus chapter 14, that's where we're hanging out. But verse 18 to 26, you're going to see these particular themes. I don't have time to read all those verses. But what one of the themes that you read hidden in those eight verses is that commitment must come first and confirmation comes second. We as humans, we want to have the confirmation. We want to hear from God. And then we say, well, if it sounds okay, then I'll commit to you, God. But God doesn't work that way. We have to commit to God first, and then when we commit to God, then God will confirm things. But we want to hear the voice of God, and we want God to tell us this is how it's going to unfold. And we want the 10-year plan, God, how are you going to do this? But God says, uh-uh, it's a, it's a commitment of faith. You must walk in obedience first. And if you will obey me, then I will confirm what I want after. And so as humans, we reverse the order. And so God's people... People have to at times. Now, in this instance, it, Moses was asked to stay, take the staff and to stretch it over the body of water. But I think I remember that when Joshua and we see the children of Israel and they had the Ark of the Covenant, they were going to cross the flooded Jordan River, that there came a point that they had to go and dip their feet into the water. They couldn't just this time just take a staff and just wave a staff, but they had to step into the water. And as soon as that little or that big toe, whichever it was, touched that water, then all of a sudden God does the miracle. But God didn't do the miracle until they were willing to go forward and say, we are going to get our feet wet, or at least our little toe is going to get wet before we see God move. Because there's times we have to be willing to get our feet wet before God's going to part the water in our lives. And so waiting for the confirmation means you're never going to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. But the Word tells us that we are to commit to Him. And if we will commit in faith and understand it's a great adventure, then God will confirm thereafter. Only after we are willing to say, Yes, God, wherever you want me, wherever you are going to send me, whatever you want me to do, I will say yes. And then we start the journey and and guess what? Then God shows up and God says, this is the way I want you to go. This is the way I want you to walk. It was that way for my wife. She needed, she wanted the lightning and the thunder when we were in France last year as Amers, saying, God, I need to hear the bells and whistles, and I need to hear the thunder and the lightning. And, and she needed that because she said, I've got to know, because we've been through this before. We know what it was like as home missionaries with language culture and barriers as far as lang, uh, culture and, and language and isolation. The nearest church was three hours drive in any direction. It was just our family. Then we started that way. And so she needed that conference. But God says, okay, you need a confirmation. Be willing to say yes. And guess what? She finally said, okay, go ahead and, and, and make the application to be Amherst for France. Because she said, I'm, I'm tired of just waiting that I need to have this confirmation. But guess what? She was willing to say yes. And when we were in France during those five months, God gave the direction. And God gave the confirmation. And so God asked of us to obey first, to, co to commit, and that he will confirm our lives. 
Obedience is first and instruction is second. We talk about the will of God and finding the will of God and new instruction is only given after old instruction is obeyed. You cannot have a new revelation. You cannot have more instruction. You can't have God keep giving you new things until God is waiting for us to be obedient to the things He already gives us in our lives. And so He's asking us simply to walk in the light that He's already given us now, if you look at that text, you're going to find out that here is the man of God saying, well, I'm, I'm being instrumental to bring out millions from slavery. But God was willing, he was ready to kill Moses because he had not obeyed the, Abra- the Abrahamic covenant and his sons were not circumcised. And God was saying, because you have not circumcised your sons and you're willing to go into the promised land, that God was willing to kill him. And he may have said, but God, look at all the things I'm doing for you. But what we have got to understand, obedience comes first and instruction comes second is that we must understand that God does not give us more light until we're willing first of all to just obey what he has said and so when we look at this uh, example of uh, Moses basically it says if I if you walk in the light I've given you I will give you more light and it's possible that we do not receive more guidance because we do not follow God's instruction that he's already given us through his words you sometimes we we get we just think well the routine's just routine it's just normal but God is very concerned about the routine we want the spectacular. We want, we want the signs and wonders. We want the effervescence. We want, we want the fireworks. But God also is concerned about the routine. Because routine requirements first, and then great responsibility second. Moses should have been more concerned about that covenant. More concerned about his son's circumcision. And maybe he thought it was just too mundane. and It's just too basic. It's too insignificant. Look what I'm doing for God. And I'm freeing these people from the Egyptian taskmasters. But yet God looks at routine and God looks at responsibilities. Both are essential. It's not one is here and one is there. That's how we as humans look at. We put a gradient on those things. But God looks at both as being essential. And so we are to commit our hearts to trust God. And we also are to obey God even in the small things. God doesn't look at obedience as small things and great things. God looks at obedience as just either we obey or we do not obey. And so we step into this area of life of walking in confidence because we understand God is concerned about the routine, but also God is is concerned about great responsibilities. Can I, I've been involved in Bible school training for 11 years in my ministry. Some of it as adjunct professor, pastoring and driving in. Other times as full-time staff, as vice president in Canada. Canada, and over and over there was about training of ministry and young men and young women and uh, but understand this is how ministry starts and if you have a call of God in your life understand whatever this man says needs to be done here don't be afraid to to wash the commodes you call it commodes here or toilets I'm not sure what you say here but don't be afraid to walk to go and clean not wash them but clean clean the toilets don't be afraid if something needs to be done if if the grass needs to be cut or if a car needs to be washed because it's through those things we are able to say God whatever the routine needs to be done I want to be available but guess what God sees the routine if the carpets need to be cleaned or if the windows need to be washed understand God looks at those things because ministry is all about being servants but if you will be servants and if you will follow Christ guess what God in his time will elevate and you may say this is just routine yes it starts that way but God looks at the heart of a person are they willing to walk this life called faith because it is an adventure it often begins with revelation from God but you probably figured it out the result usually when we get a revelation from God is where there's excitement we get very excited. God spoke to me and God's talking to me and, 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 and I just had an experience and maybe we don't have a burning bush experience, but we can say on a certain day, God spoke to me or God planted this in my heart. And so we get excited and there's enthusiasm and yet we understand that God will always test our faith. And so there will come a point that we will start to doubt or there'll come a point that we start to fear. Because our response will be is that 
Why, if God called me, is this happening? Why is God allowing this to happen? Because we have a choice. God is always testing us. Will we go forward? Will we stand still? Or are we going to go backwards? We always have a choice. And so adventures of faith start out as being exciting. But remember, there will be obstacles. And we cannot please God unless we're willing to walk through that road that God takes us. And we cannot doubt saying, God, what are you doing? But we simply say, I trust you and I believe you. And even though there's obstacles, we understand there was obstacles. When they first left Egypt, they were they were dumping lots of jewelry and gold and silver on them. And they, they just looked at the great miracle that God gave them. But it was just days later now they're at a body of water and the Egyptian army they hear behind them and the water's in front of them and they start to reflect on how the, the onions and the leeks and everything tasted good back home and how they were safe and God had just done something days before but now they are questioning God because yes there can be enthusiasm in our life but God will bring us to our to sometimes to that body of water and he'll say now what are you going to do and so God gives us the ability that either we can go forward, we can camp out right there, or we can say, I'm going to go back to the way it used to be. I don't know if you ever met Sister Buckland before, a missionary for a number of years, when she and her husband were uh, new missionaries in Czechoslovakia. And so they they were just a young family. This was back before the days of cell phones. This was before the days of emails and texting. And so her husband was on his first missions trip away from the city where they lived. And he, he was going to be gone for 10 days. And basically, you're gone for 10 days. You hear nothing from your spouse for 10 days until they show up. There's no way of communicating. Communication. There's you just have to learn to say 10 days and he'll be back. It was during those 10 days, the first trip ever that she was traveling in the public transit and in that city that the buses they had no windows and so the bus driver was going through a construction site and there was a welder that was welding close to the curb and the sparks from the welder came off the the arc and it arced and, and it came and hit their youngest child in the eye and so here she was she had to leave her oldest son they were so new as missionaries she left her oldest son with someone she didn't even know someone in the church she just met didn't know their background left her oldest son with a stranger and took her youngest son to the hospital and in that day the way that they did operations she was here praying and all that was separating her from the from the surgeon was there was a curtain closed and there was an open space above the curtain and that's that was the extent of surgery and she started praying and she said god i i, I please talk to my husband it's almost like she was holding her head, and by telepathy, it's like her husband was going to actually understand what she was praying. And she's saying, oh, God, I pray for my son. God, I need I, I need my husband here. And, and, and so she began to pray that way. And God spoke to her, and God... Um, as he spoke to her, God said this, and she said, I'll never forget it. And she kept saying, God, please send my husband. I need my husband here. I need my husband for me. I need my husband for my son. And God spoke to her and said, it's not your husband that you need. It's me that you need in your life. I'm the one that's going to bring the peace in your life. I am the healer. And she recognized that even though her husband was off doing the will of God, there was this test in her life. And she understood it's God that gives us peace. It's God that that works in our lives. We must understand that fear can cloud our vision. And so we can try to go back and say, I remember the way it used to be. Or we may say, I'm just going to hang out here and stand still. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to park it in presence. But we understand we miss opportunities in ministry. We miss opportunities in life if we say, I'm just going to park it here until the rapture takes place. God wants us to be servants. He doesn't want us to go back the way it was 50 years ago. He doesn't want us just to be, go back the way it was two weeks ago and park it here. But God has a purpose and God has a plan in our lives. There's a time to pray and there's a time to reflect. But there comes a point that says, okay, that's enough. Now it's time for me to act upon those prayers. It's time for me not just to reflect. It's time for me to obey what God is saying in my life. And as individuals, if we choose to stand still, 
Guess what? We will decline because there's no neutral. Either we're going forward or we're going backwards. But the last option in our lives is that we can go forward because the adventure of faith says that it's not by sight, but it is by faith. And going forward, you probably figured it out in everything that's worthwhile in life that when you go forward, there's always risk involved. Excuse me for using the example, but this couple that moved from Jacksonville to here, they didn't know how things are going to work out. And guess what? It wasn't an easy ride, but there comes a point that there is risk involved when you walk by faith. We don't have everything mapped out in life, but you trust God and you believe God and you say, I'm going in God's favor. And so no matter what comes, I'm going to go forward in Jesus Christ. And so this is not a license, of course, to do something crazy. Faith is not doing stupid things. Okay? It's not being crazy. We have to get direction from God. We don't serve a crazy God. We don't serve a stupid God. And I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to say anything that be sacrilegious. That's not what I'm saying. It's not that we get crazy or stupid. We seek the will of God. We search the scriptures. We understand that that's the direction in our lives. But there comes a point that he says, you got to learn to trust me and to honor me. Sight cries out, we cannot do this. We do not have the resources. But faith cries out, we can do this because God has the resources. I may not, but my God has the resources. Faith cries out that we can do this because he has the resources. And so he's always stretching us beyond what we are right now. Where we are at this moment, God will stretch us. That's why at almost 52 and me at almost 54, it's almost unheard of for someone to start into global missions. But God, there's a, there's a leadership term called convergence that everything of your, of your career, or in this case of your ministry comes together. It starts to makes sense that everything adds up Bible school training, French ministry, pastoring assisting, all it makes sense now is coming to this point and so at 54 almost saying here am I God send me because there's a purpose and there's a plan in it all but God also will stretch us and you as individuals you must make up your mind are you going to camp out because you remember the glory days in 1950s and 1960s or are you going to just say I'm going to just camp out right here or are you going to make your mind up no I'm going to go forward in the Lord Jesus Christ because faith becomes an adventure in our lives and finally there's three reasons for the glory of God to be displayed verse 18 says the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord uppercase L here's Yahweh again here's the the I am when you see all uppercase letters that's the tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H, the, that we know as Yahweh. And so when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, his horsemen. And so the scripture is clear that when we go forward, the glory of God is displayed. When we move forward, it's not about look at all eyes on me. It's not about who's holding the microphone. It doesn't matter who holds the microphone. It doesn't matter who stands behind this piece of oak here. It doesn't matter but it's that God would be glorified it's that as we go forward that he would be lifted up and so the goal is when we go forward that God Almighty is glorified in our lives number two not only is God glorified is his glory displayed but his protection is also displayed the Bible tells us there was a pillar of cloud that had always been in front of them during the day and the pillar of cloud would move and when it moved that they would move with that and at the night time when the pillar of fire was always ahead of them and as it moved they would move and so God was always moving ahead of them and so they had the guidance but on this day the pillar no longer went ahead but the pillar it circled back around and now the pillar of cloud becomes the protection that separates them from the enemy and so we must understand when we go forward there's God's protection that God's hand that he'll circle around and he'll bring protection in our lives when we go forward God is glorified when we go forward we are protected by the hand of God that's the great aspect of walking by faith And finally, the power of God is displayed when we go forward. Moses lifts his rod. And when he lifts the rod, the sea is divided. 
And he provides, we see God providing dry land for the Israelites to walk through. Verse 21 says this, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. Verse 22, So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And so God uses a eastern, a very strong supernatural east wind that's used in a supernatural way and it divides the waters into two walls and creates a passage for God's people to cross the Red Sea. And so just as the people went through the water and through as they passed through the water, the Bible talks about it that in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 that we can see that this was, there's always shadows and types of the Old Testament. And we understand that Jesus Christ, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that our faith is built upon the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything in that Bible hinges on Calvary. Everything in that Bible hinges on that Jesus was buried. But guess what? We don't serve a dead savior we serve a risen savior he's alive today the death the burial and the resurrection of jesus christ but just as you have paid your light bill this month and just as you believe in your minds that there's current flowing through these cables hidden in the attic and hidden through these walls until you're willing to go and flip that switch you're not going to walk in the light you're going to walk in darkness but when you flip that switch guess what you have faith that there's current in this building and just as we can have have faith in Jesus Christ until we are willing to do something in our lives. We can believe till the cows come home that Jesus is Savior, but we must have an application. And so just as Jesus died, we must die to our sins through repentance. Just as Jesus was buried and put in the ground, we too must go down in the watery grave of water baptism, immersed. The word is baptismo, meaning going fully under, baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of our sins. And just as we believe that Jesus is alive. We too can have the resurrection power in our lives. It's called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so yes, 1 Corinthians 15, death, burial, and resurrection, that's what it's all about. But we have to have the application, repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost in our lives. Romans 6 and 4, therefore we were buried with him through baptism. Just as they went through the Red Sea, we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead. Guess what? That's resurrection. By the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. When we get the Holy Ghost, we're not just going to be tongue talkers. We're going to have a changed life. We're not going to live the way we used to live, but now we're going to walk a different way because of the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. In conclusion, and you all like that word, conclusion. I love that word too. He Has the Lord been leading you? Has it been a personal journey of faith in your life or are you just comfortable and say, I just want my comfort zone? Guess what? God loves to kick that can out of our, you know, if we're standing on that, just get out of our comfort zone. God loves to just stir things up in our life because it comes a walk of faith, not by comfort. Has fear stopped you in your tracks? This is all new to you. And you may say, well, I've walked in faith for a number of years, but we must understand for the people that don't, they're not used to this. Faith starts out as far as dealing with sins in our lives. And we, we allow that new birth, the birth of water and spirit. But right now, again, we must understand it's not just about getting saved, but it's about walking in faith in all of our lives. If you'll come back to the music this time, if you normally play at the end of the service, but what obstacles are you facing right now in your life? Maybe for some, it's chronic pain and chronic disease in your body. It's a constant obstacle. For others, it could be financial difficulties. For some, it could be unemployment. For some, there can be marriage stress. There could be stress at the job. I, there's different types of things that we go through. But in spite of those obstacles, the question I pose is, has God called you? Are you willing to respond to him? Or do you want to go back to the way it used to be of 
when we remember such and such a year? Or do you want to just say, I'm just going to camp out here and I'm just going to just wait on God and just cross my arms and do nothing? Or option three is that even though we don't understand all that God's doing, we say, we're going to go forward. God calls. He's responsible to provide the way. What's my job? What's our job? One thing, just obey. He calls. We just have to obey. He says, this is what I want you to do. And so my wife and I, we leave the comfort of pastoring for love the North Carolina district. But there comes a place in our life that says we have to obey the call of God. But guess what? It's not just missionaries that have to do that. It's every one of us. We still have to follow that leading of the Holy Ghost in our lives. Stand to your feet if you would. I know probably you're normally dismissed. I'm going to turn the service back to your pastor, however he wants to close it, whether you feel to come and pray or just pray together. Hallelujah. I feel that sense his presence. Can you just sing something? If uh, Just sing something if you would. Hallelujah. This is our chance. Even if you just stand where you're at, say, God, here am I. Use me. Here am I, God. It becomes an adventure. Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I can be a prayer warrior. God, I can fast and pray. Lord, I can be a worshiper and praise you in church. And I can invite people out to church, God. On the job site, I can be an example to my, my co-workers, Lord, at the office or at the factory. Or God, as I, as I work, God, in the agricultural field, Lord Jesus, I want to be an example to others. Why don't you lift your hands right now? That's a sign of surrender. When we lift our hands, is a sign of surrender. I surrender, Lord. I surrender to you right now. This very night, I surrender, God. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.